Welcome to another episode of the Terms and Conditions General Election Reflection. We decided to do an extra episode just because of what had happened with the election. We were really fortunate to be joined by Dan Rennick, who has been on the podcast before. Straight G. Straight G. Proper. And like, it's really, we get basically, I'm doing this introduction because we get straight into it. As soon as Dan walked in the room, we we were straight into it. So yeah, thank you for your support and hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the T's and C's. Tisa and Chantel. Also known as the Terms and Conditions. In this country, is a country that's riddled in national chauvinism. It's never had a socialist education system. The idea that people are going to be inculcated into a Corbynite project with the media they have was always a bit fanciful. And the thing is, if they don't live in proximity to black and brown people in this country who have struggled and the consequences of that in their localities, they're just going to be scared of it because that's all they've been taught, right? But when we see that stuff online all the time about Londonistan or how we just stab each other, why are we surprised that the rest of this country weaponised London against us? And this is and this is what I'm trying to say. It's not a shock, man. And over the last what ten years, the right have put in work for this. No, they put in work, man. So longer, man. I, I, so I'm not going to sit and say like be shocked because they put in the work, right? And no. they're reaping the benefits of that work, right? Of course. And that's but it's Murdoch, isn't it? It's Murdoch that if we're gonna look for one architect above and beyond anyone else, it's Rupert Murdoch. But I even say so you've got Murdoch, you've got Bannon, all these people working in conjunction. So the trajectory of the UK is not a shock. No. Because if you if you look at Europe it's replicated, right? No, of course, of course. It's a moment though, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is that, I mean, Britain and fascism are quite interesting because most of the fascists wanted to be British, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, f- Britain was the model at which fascism wanted to develop to. Mm-hmm. It was a breakneck model of development and authoritarianism to essentially establish what Britain already had, which is an empire and dominance and a supremacist structure, right? So Britain's fascist movement was always a bit too early when it was Oswald Mosley, and then it was wrong in the post-war years because Britain was so weak and so reliant upon its colonies for it to really truly develop that. So this is a revanchist moment, in a moment where actually fascism does have a credible project here because there is a yesteryear that's never coming back. When right? you see that model, you kind of talk about the kind of free market model, right? So when I was looking at how, how Britain places itself today as a, as a, pure, as a primary financial service-based economy, right? And that works because when Corbyn come in, you're aiming at these people in London alone, 500 banks in London alone, right? So you're freaking out these people, you can't freak out. So the model of London compared to New York, New York's all about a kind of risk. Mm-hmm. London is risk averse, right? That's why rich people come here. It's, it's land of old money. Old money comes because it's safe. It's gonna get a return on its investment all the time. You can't freak these people out. No. You start saying to these people, listen, we're gonna start making things equal. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming for tax-free advice, man. No, Bill, Ga- Bill Gates has his bank here. The growth of individual banks. London has more individual banks, i.e. A bank set up to cater to one person. Mm. That's loads of money, right? So Bill Gates has his own private bank here that employs 40 people only. Mm. You can't freak these people out. You can't come in and and say, listen, I'm going like, to tear down this model. It's not going to work, man. So you have to get these people on side. Whether that means some concessions to them, but mm. you can't just say wholesale, like, listen, I'm going to make things equal. Mm. But this, it's interesting to look at how they did it, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because how they did it is that they've unleashed Brexit, which was a dog from hell, Mm. that we now can see was always marshaled to destroy socialism in this country, right? Now, and I mean that, like, look at how long the media narrative played out that we thought we could win this thing through the lack of credibility within Theresa May, and look at the moves, right? It's very simple. 
What happened in 2016 was a game of numbers by people who knew how to manipulate data sets that Cummings was key in, right? As Cummings comes in with Boris and says, okay, I've still got these people's numbers, basically, right? I can still tap straight back into them and all of the sentiments that I did in 2016. And in fact, if I play these hands and I get Boris to run into the walls of the establishment, then I've got my populism, right? So what does he do? He sets Boris off in a chain of events that puts him squarely against the British establishment. And at that point, Corbyn comes a statesman. Isn't it? And at that point, the likes of Pauli Toynbee say, look how statesman-like Corbyn is. And there's all of this praise that all of this comes from all of the people who detracted against him. And that was the poison chalice. They literally just put a big X on Corbyn and said, look at this man. He capitulates to a People's Vote campaign. He's betraying the nation, the betrayal bill, all of that discourse. And all of these people push Corbyn into this place where, for all intents and purposes within that election run, people are being relatively nice to Corbyn from the left. Mm-hmm. But the minute that that loss is experienced, you see these, these, these snakes for what they are. That's, what, right? that's what's killed me, to They're be honest. Snakes, that's what's right? killed me. Like, I just, I, hear, I totally hear what you're saying as well, Dan. And it kind of brings us back to the beginning when we first started the general election reflection and we were talking about Boris and Cummins' approach, as they said, was the Lamar approach, 50-50, Brexit and uh, taking down Corbyn. That's exactly what they did. And they built, as you say, Dan, populist vote through that. And it's quasi-fascist now as well. Like, it's, it's frightening, but that is exactly... What you just said is what, that's what the model, happened. That's the model. European, Europe's have, Europe leaders have been following. Europe's rights have been following. But it's quite interesting afterwards when I went up north and I spoke to people up north and I said, I just, rather than kind of buy into that narrative of the kind of white working class, I asked them to try and think, told them how, that, how Brexit and this election makes me feel mm. as a brown person. And I said, it makes me feel not wanted. And they're like, well, Why? I said, well, they use immigration as a way that they want me out. And I, I kind of use Fanon when it's Fanon says, if you're talking about anti-Semitism, they're, talk, they're usually anti-Negro. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, this is that similar kind of thing. They, they want me out. And he goes, really? And I said, so he goes, well, he, I said, what do you feel about immigration? He goes, well, I don't like it when immig- immigrants send their money home. He goes, I don't really like Corbyn. This is the response to the person I'm speaking to. I don't like Corbyn. And I think they're right about immigration because I don't like immigration because immigrants send their money home. So I said, well, that was the experience of the Irish. They don't mind the Irish. I mean, this, is, need, I this, mean is, what, this is a conversation with a real person. I know, I know, it's mad. Um, yeah, I think that, I don't, obviously don't want to go into it too much, but just as an important point to raise following the result of who actually became an MP, two of the MP, new MPs, I think they're from this fucking blue war or whatever, are being investigated for anti-Semitism. I underestimated, and I don't know why, like, I'm so cynical, particularly about racism. Like, my whole PhD research is about rural and town-based racism, and I still, myself, have underestimated how much that concoction of nationalism and racism is so... It's just... You can use it so well, like, and I didn't... people are responding to something, right? And the thing is that, I mean... The left haven't had a language around globalisation or globalism, right? Mm-hmm. Globalism is a term that a lot of leftists mm-hmm. will say is quasi-fascist, mm-hmm. right? But me, I come from the school of Sivanandan, right? And Sivanandan talks very openly about globalism and the perils of it. And throughout the 90s, he has a very straight-on engagement with the British left and the European left about what this means, right? There is no real engagement with it at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that there is the deindustrialization of the metropoles, mm-hmm and the industrialization at a breakneck level in the periphery, yeah. right? 
And that mechanism means that there were two pools of victims developing that can be weaponized against each other, right? So Dan, if, if we were going to explain that more sort of simply, because I do get what you're saying, but are you saying so when you've got large industry growing in like the global south, for example, and then you have the opposite happening in the UK in this election, and that is a that's something that would cause toxicity automatically. Well, you have people, you have refugees from globalism, right? Yeah. You have people who are fleeing their countries not just because of war, which comes through our imperialism, but economic warfare, which comes mm-hmm. through what we've done to country after country after country. And we have this idea that you can divide a refugee from an economic migrant, right? As if somebody who is having to move from their home in search of economic opportunity because of what is happening in the brain drain and the economic drains that they are experiencing. They come here, and most people who are reflecting a political reality say, these people aren't coming here because they love Britain. No shit, Sherlock. No, they're mm-hmm. coming here because Britain has money in it. Right? And if, if Britain continues to reap the benefits of this world and the imperialism of this world, people are going to come here to, it, to access that wealth, to access that opportunity. And the thing is that these people, if you said to them, okay, the immigration is now a fact of life, but mm-hmm. you're front of the line, you'd win. Mm. Right? And this is now the new centre ground that the Labour Party are going to try and commit to. And they're going to tell the working class of London and the black and brown people who canvass for them, just don't get too uppity now, innit? Right? These <laughs> lot, right? The, it's true. The, the, these it's lot are going to have to jump the queue a little it's bit, true. Right? right? It's true. These you lot, guys, you guys right? be quiet. Right? You, lot, you lot just settle down a little bit. Let us pat these men on the head, right? Let us put them to the front of the queue and just don't. Don't stir too much shit. Otherwise, you are the problem, mm. right? And you are the reason we lost this. And look at the discourse, bro. Look at it. It's there blatantly. And these guys don't even say globalization, right? They don't even talk about financialization. They aren't going in a politics that says, actually, this has been a mass game of psychological manipulation that these lot have been, that have come from like 30 years, bro. You take like what has happened within these northern towns. Yeah. Um, it's, I hate to do that, right? Mm. I'll make a footnote here, though. Mm. There's a film called A Northern Soul that was released by the BBC last year, right? Well, Northern Soul tells the story of a guy from a working class estate in Hull who yeah. starts a hip-hop production company to teach young kids about black arts, and he's a white bro, isn't it? Right? I went to the premiere of that film with a bunch of the well-to-do of British society, and no one read it as an anti-Brexit film or a reflection on Brexit film, which basically says, stop painting the North as if we're nativist by mm. anything mm. and let's be honest about what happened the metropolitan areas across the board continue to vote in a left trajectory right it's those areas that are on the outskirts and why are they responding in such a way to immigration well because of the pressure put on the 90s on what refugees and poor migrants were doing in london and getting council housing people stopped getting the access to London, and they start to get put in Oldham and Bury mm-hmm. and other places, right? So let's not be surprised that there, people do see it as Australian resources, because in times of austerity, when you experience 60% local government cuts, and you are seeing these things, and you're all deprived together, it's very easy to see the immigrant as the reason, right? Mm-hmm. And that is something that is, a, they feel that that is a lived experience, right? Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to pander to that at all, but the thing is that there is a genuine experience that these people are having, and let's ask ourselves a question, how many refugee centres are there in the Cotswolds, isn't it? We are all in this together, but no southern European rich yeah. area takes, carries the burden of our 
humanism when it is there. So if we ever let somebody break through the boundaries that we have around our country to let refugees in, it's our working class that have to carry that burden. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't want to, right? And I don't want to pander to them at this moment in time, but we do have to look at the polity that means but, that they are the ones who feel that they are being persecuted. But it's the fact that you are speaking about it, you acknowledge that, right? And that's been, that's been one, if you speak to any of these people, and it's the fact they don't feel listened to, right? And when you have that, when you, that's the narrative they want to speak about. And instead of having that conversation, people get scared of having that conversation. Yeah, because they feel it's, it's but racist this, by but, nature. But I think what Dan is saying, I don't disagree with anything that Dan is saying, but I think you can do that without being racist. Like, I don't think you have so, to talk no. about the things that they're going through, which is a very real lived reality, whilst also throwing ethnic minorities under right. the bus. So I just don't, so I think you can do two, both exactly at the same the time. Same. And, and, and this is what I'm saying, you can, but they, they have, people end up having that zero sum game where, where you come in and race comes in and I feel like I'm taking something away from it. It doesn't have to be that way. But that's how the narrative is always painted. And that's what's killed me, I think, since the result is the... Le I thought that there was some really dynamic, um, interesting, like, debates coming through from the left, particularly from these, like, leftist media outlets that, I don't know, like, I know this, this isn't necessarily an intellectual way of saying it, but I feel like they were kind of using, like, anti-racist politics from... 70s and 80s and now they lost their general elections they're saying that that was the problem now and that they should have listened to white working class people this is what they are saying this this imagine this, this is what they're, this this is what they're saying thing. and it's just like but these are really smart people so well, what's the smart people were like like i don't right, know sorry so, i don't mean smart to like fetishize intelligence i just it, they, it's I, upsetting they, they to see like that they should know better right they, they should, should know better that's they the point better, they, they pretended they knew better so yeah Today I read two articles and someone quoted that Matthew, is it, what's his name? Matthew Goodwin. So they, they've quoted this guy twice, right? These people are quoting this guy and they're trying, trying to say that somehow now that me being an ethnic minority in London, I'm part of this called the Metropolitan Elite. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm elite it's now, you right? you and students, this weird alliance that ethnic minorities are so, I'm, well. I'm elite. So I get so upset and they've had a fetishise black people in like the, the kind of when we come over in 1945. I was reading the other day about William Davidson, black guy, black radical of the, eight, of the 19th century, right? So it shows that we've been here for a long time, participating in class politics, class politics for the benefit of everyone. Not just black people, not just brown people, not just everyone, men, women, because we're here, because we've been here for a long time. And it's about, about everyone, material conditions, lifting everyone up for the many, not for the few, right? And it's driving me insane that this kind of narrative keeps coming over a zero sum game, either, either taking something from someone or it's, it's everyone for themselves. This it's, kind of self-interestness. But this country chose supremacy over equality, right? And let's that's be, what hurt. That, that's, yeah. Let's be that honest what with what it did do, right? Because we can say whatever else it is, but mm. I am very serious in that mm. point. Mm. Right? There's a tweet, glib, but it's truthful, right? Mm. But they didn't trust Boris Johnson to guard the NHS, but they trusted Boris Johnson to guard the NHS so that those people didn't get access to it. Mm -hmm. And that is it, right? That is the choice that this country made. Be honest enough within that political moment to say, okay, cool, now this monolith, right? Now, let's talk about Labour as it stands. Labour should paint itself as the coalition that exists because there is first-past-the-post in this country. If first-past-the-post didn't exist in this country, we would split away from them, and then Blue Labour boys mm. would get banged up intellectually if they ever wanted to try and step. Let's make <laughs> one thing yeah? Let's make one thing fucking clear. We hold the cities in it. Come try and step anywhere that you try and talk bad about in it. Come mm. and try and hold court. It's not the days where Mosley's coming to North Kensington, you know, mm. right? You're not going to hold court round here, innit? Mm. And you know it, that's why you keep painting us like we're so violent, because you're shook. And you should be shook if you're going to keep talking the bangers you are. Because you're only doing it on Twitter, right? Mm. 
You cannot come here. That is true, right? actually. They, they're, they're so cannot, loud online. You cannot come yeah. here and say that stuff. And don't think that we do it because we're pandering to anyone. This was one, right? Yeah. Here to stay, here to fight. That's the motto, isn't it? And what happened after that? We developed. People like me developed, right? Yeah. What am I? I'm a, work, I'm a, I'm a white guy <laughs> who reads and understands and comes from a black Marxist perspective <laughs> because I believe that holds far more of the keys of liberation than anything I've read that's in the national chauvinist tradition, which is British socialism. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest with that at this moment in time. And if these are going to call for us to backstep, let's say, okay, you lose us. Right? That's, what I, that's what I think is going to happen. Right, let's, let's talk about that grand coalition, because right now, all of the, 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 most, the most centrist bit of analysis you can say is, okay, let's look at the electoral math, right? Mm. Remainers, <laughs> mad as they are, have said that actually if you add up all of the Remain parties, as if Labour now are just a Remain party, but anyway, they won the popular vote. And if this was proportional representation, then we would be a Remain country, not a Leave country. And it's mad, but let's say, okay, now, now proportional representation is your end, what's your means? You're gonna convince the SNP after they just did that? What mm. interest do the SNP have? And if Labour can't win back Scotland, how the hell are you gonna win this nationally? And the Tories are never gonna vote for Christmas, mm. right? So what are you talking about, yeah. right? How are you going to achieve now with this moment gone? Yeah. And that's a very serious point, right? Yeah. Is that Labour continued under the illusion that they could win a majority, mm -hmm. right? And so when we, go, when we go back and pick through all of this stuff, okay, here's, here's my criticism. That Corbyn comes from a Benite school, particularly as it pertains to the European Union. And actually, if we go into the annals of our own analysis, most of the theoreticians were anti-EU, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a vessel of transnational capital, right? And it, it was part of our immiseration, and it was part of processes. And like, I, was, I worked and lived in the EU, so I had my critique when I came back here. I was a lexiteer, for all intents and purposes, that moved over to Remain when I saw it was being left exclusively to the right within this country. But if, if Corbyn had been true to his own policy, yeah, he's, he's he, right? he, he, he should have made the party neutral, mm -hmm. right? Let's not forget that somebody like Owen Jones, said nine months before the Brexit referendum, the left should consider arguing for leave, right? So, we should have, we should, I got it wrong. Right? I got it wrong, so, no, definitely. But, but we many of us me. already considered these things, particularly because of what we saw in the Greek experience and what we saw was being meted out to the Southern European economies and what we were seeing about how they were talking about the migrant crisis, quote unquote crisis, right? Uh, about th that problem, which was that they couldn't even redistribute or distribute 50,000 and Britain completely flawed the process when you had over a million, right? And the EU was not functioning as anything but a regressive and deeply problematic institution at that historical moment, but it was weaponized against us, right? You could have theoretically gone against the EU as an institution as a vessel of your, our disempowerment and as a part of the process why immigration is happening at the extent it is because we are immiserating countries. If you made an argument that you wanted a more internationalist Britain that would stop oppressing countries to the extent that they are having to come here, right? So that you break the dynamic of we are here because you were there and we engage in a more equitable global position to guard the interests of whatever you want to say without making it nativist. You could have, right? But you didn't have to concede that freedom of movement is a problem. You didn't have to concede that migrants depreciate wages. You didn't have to go down the perilous lines that were gone down within that Brexit environment. But we let Brexit become just a right-wing nationalist project. Right? Mm. Mm. And then we let Remain become a default left position without any intellectual rigour behind it, because most of us, if we actually analyse what the EU were doing, weren't. 
ever going to argue that the EU were an anti-racist organisation. I guess for me, I I just saw the racism that came out of Brexit. And yeah, I hold my hands up. I got it wrong. I think that our position on the left, I think, I think... I think it just doesn't have mass support within the country. It just didn't, yeah. I don't I think just, that's necessarily wrong. What people were saying is, if this goes forward, it's going to impact migrant life to such a violent level that the rational position for us to hold as a community is yeah, remain, right? Yeah. And it was a defensive position. I don't think it's wrong, right? But yeah. you aren't the ones who are responsible for this. Yeah. Another Europe is possible got four times the funding they ever did mm-hmm. in 2018 with the sole intention of making Labour switch to remain, right? Now. Like, you can analyse that with a conspiratorial mind or with whatever mind you want, right? But this was a push with people with capital to push this on us and look at what it actually did and look at the snake. Look at how quickly these Remainers who push that position want to say it was about Jeremy Corbyn on the doorstep, not about the position they pushed upon a party, let alone the fact that Remainers now dead and Jeremy Corbyn was sacrificed on the altar of it. For what, right? I don't know, man. I agree with Dan's position as well, but... I see, like, when people look at, especially when the Remain side, especially at the start, there was kind of a, an over-intellectualization of the whole problem. Like, they were looking at from, were looking at issues of immigration. The people talking about, they were talking about things like union, monetary union, and stuff like people that, that most people don't have a clue about. Right? That's not what people are reacting to at the doorstep, man. And, there, and that stuff is quite scary. It's if scary. People, if people genuinely engage with what the EU's long-term plans are, mm. then actually there is a lot to yeah. be very sceptical about, especially it, if you're from a political left and if you're minoritised mm-hmm. within that, right? It's easy to talk in hindsight, right? Mm. But at the time, people were, swept, we were all swept up, man. But I don't, I don't think people have to put their hands up and say they were wrong, right? Like, I came back to a Remain position because I analysed it to be regressive, right? I still held that you could and should have made positive arguments for a leave position. And I don't think that leave necessarily... I think the way that we made it so binary mm. is such a problem. Right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that we... That a left, my school of leftism needs a dialectic is because there were so many people who were talking absolute shit that you have to work with. Yeah. So you have to believe in the dialectic. But, but to other, otherwise, you are, if I go on Twitter right now and I'm not a dialectician and I'm not saying, thinking, OK, what are they saying that's good, what's wrong? how are these clashes playing out, right? Like, I don't have that respect for it. Mm. And I'm just going to wide out on all of these stuff because if we're going to get into a politics of principle, we aren't wrong, right? I don't think we're going to put our hands up and say we're wrong here. Mm. We're not wrong, right? We got the national mood wrong, Mm. right? We can't win elections with our politics, right? This country is not going to choose to have equality if equality means that they live next door to Fatima. Right, <laughs> and that is not okay, but and see, we are not okay with but, that. But right? see, and, but that, see, that's, but see, and that's fine for us to say as but well. But the problem is, how do what? How do you shift that mindset, right? Because when I look at Europe right now, that mindset is so it's so entrenched and embedded that it, I find it almost impossible to move. So I was looking at France today, and I looked at I didn't realize that France. So Chirac said. I'm paraphrasing that in 2008 we have to admit that most of our money in our banks comes from the exploitation of Africa we have to admit that if we're honest Chirac said that about the current arrangement about the sea for France so Jacques Chirac was a former president of France right so he he acknowledged that this exploitation is carrying on and still continues this kind of notion of superiority is so deeply embedded that how do I shift that because right now, it's problematic for me. It makes, because the mood in this country, I feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable yeah. because people are willing and writing nonsense, 
right? I don't. I just don't think they've told the story of British immigration very well, right? Like the thing is that within this country, despite all of the issues that we had, at mm. a level of state policy in mm. forty-eight to sixty-one, <laughs> there was a period in which full citizenship was given, right? Yeah. We weren't guest workers, right? Mm -hmm. We have moved to a continental European approach, right? And abandoned the citizenship model, which was relatively novel within the European world, and bred empowered black communities here that you cannot experience on the continent. Correct. Right? Right? Uh -huh. Now, that is the reason why I never felt that anti-racism was within the EU, because the EU should and have to learn from us, right? The fact is, we don't have a Labour Party that wants to learn from that politics, right? So how are we expecting that Labour Party to be a vessel anyway, right? Think about all of your engagements with your local councillors when you were, when you were uh, as I do. If you're defending a community of resistance, if you talk about community of resistances, if you're going to talk about the folklore of the struggles in London at this moment in time, they're not incubated within the Labour Party. Yeah. And in fact, they have been fought by, many times, the local Labour Council, right? And so we always have this dynamic where we are in constant struggles. But let's be honest, Labour Royal Coalition we were willing to support, and Corbyn gave that coalition an internationalist head, mm -hmm. right? Like, do you think I'm ever going to support somebody who is just banging on about the NHS if the cost of a better NHS is the continued persecution or imperial warfare of this country, mm -hmm. right? Like, the story of the New Jerusalem cannot be told without what we did in Malaya and Kenya, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The story of Tony Blair can't be told without Iraq and Afghanistan, right? So let's not get into the place where we allow the national chauvinism back into the extent that we make a nice little cozy well, deal I, with I British think, Dan, I think it's about, I don't know, I mean, perhaps just from, leading on from that point, we could finish on the future of the Labour Party. What? Listen, I think it needs to break up. Listen, we'll start our own party, man. Yeah, but this is exactly... We'll start our own party. Yeah, you ready? <laughs> How much you need? £600, right? Yeah. Easy. I'll sell it for Yeezys, boy. <laughs> on a serious level, I think that's what the threat is, right? Mm -hmm. like you're, okay, you think you can make... like you, You're going to sacrifice a good man. Mm -hmm. You're going to make it all about him. like, And you're going to do what you've done after... Like, all of the stuff you've said and all of the stuff your complicit media have said or actual fifth... <laughs> like mm -mm. fifth column, fourth branch of the state <laughs> bastard, right? These guys put all of that stuff in, mm -hmm. in people's heads about Corbyn without validity and with a consistent approach. Now these guys want to then say, oh, he was the problem, so was the left-wing agenda, and we have to cater to nativism. Okay, you didn't learn the lesson. The number one lesson was you took those communities for granted. Now you're going to take us for granted. Watch what we do, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, right, whatever you want to say, Right? Here to stay, here to fight means something, especially to us, though. Right? Mm -hmm. You are not coming anywhere near us. Mm -hmm. right? you, that, the threat isn't out our doors yet, mm -hmm. and these guys don't want to do that yet. Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't want to go down that route. If Labour want to mediate this situation, they have to tell us, right? stand firm, you are protected. Right? If I feel that party makes me, a, a prevent agenda type situation goes up where I am this extremist, right? that is more and more isolated within this society, right? What do you think that, what do you, where, where do you think that places us? But you, you right? see, the, you see the madness is, right? I, given these crazy times, I see that narrative playing out. Of course it is. I yeah. see that narrative playing out because if you see, given the kind of contagion from America and the idea that anyone who spouse a socialist or kind of any kind of egalitarian kind of agenda gets kind of labeled as a communist, mm fucking insane right mm -hmm. but this is I see that coming across here I see that and 
I, I hear that how the, the kind of language that kind of um, Orban uses, mm. calling people communists, man. And all you're doing is just stand up for yourself. That this is problematic, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the Labour Party to get votes will do that. Yeah, to become electoral, will do that. Jump under the bus for the good of British socialism, and yeah. it's not going to happen, right? But I don't think they. I mean. I just don't think they could, I know they're going to do that, I'm pretty sure. And that's what has been probably hard in the whole election result is how quickly they are to do, do, do that. Do, do you not, do, I, sorry, no, I was going to say, the irony was, at one stage, I thought, Boris Johnson's fucked the Conservative Party. Yeah, that's what we were <laughs> The irony, the yeah, irony, yeah, the irony, thought, right? I thought that he had... Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, what, that's, that's, that's why we need a much longer conversation on this, man. Because actually, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that, the dog from hell thing is true, man. We, it, we were led to believe it, it could have gone for anyone, right? But it was a hound with the smell of socialism, right? And look at what it's done. And, and, and I'm sorry, the reason I say that is look at how weaponized the chattering classes are to make this about Jeremy Corbyn, to make this about the left wing, to make this about capitulation to black and brown communities, to make this about identity politics, right? This was always your way of going, okay, mm. supremacy is back and settle down, you uppity pricks, right? Mm. And don't you dare ever think you're going to talk to me like that. I sat this one out, and I'm also representative of a community that they weren't great with, that mm. Corbyn wasn't great with, right? Mm. That read my chapter and ask yourself if I'm a Corbynista, right? Look at what my interventions have been. Ask yourself why when I went to a world to win, they haven't put my video out. Because I batted these men up from the position that the same people in the Northeast. And I guarantee if I go to that, that wall and start talking, I have more in common than any of these centuries are ever going to mm-hmm. be able to do. And we can organize in ways that they can't. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm not going to have them deny me of hope. But I do understand right now that there is a surveillance state weaponized against us, that there are, there's a conservative party that has brought the far right into the house. Mm-hmm that there is this language of national traitors and we have to watch our tongue. We have to watch our words or expect to, to have to back it in the streets. Right? Mm. And I suppose what I'm saying is if it gets to that, yeah. good luck in it because you're not going to do very well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, we've obviously been talking since the result mm. constantly about what this means for us and how we work and what we do. And like, it does feel like we're... A, Kind of at war, basically. Well, it's not even. It's not Listen, even war. It's we've, we've been defeated. No, no, it's not war anymore. So we're starting from the beginning. That's I, what it feels like. For me, but we're not. For me, I think it's about. I spent a lot of time analysing the right, and the far right, and the tactics they've used up until this point, right? And they've been successful in generating a culture where they can shift the Overton window. They've put in a lot of work, man. They've put in a lot of work from the far right guys who are clearly assholes, but been very clear to their kind of the alt right to them to the normal right wing, right? And there's been a continuity between them all. When I went to that Brexit march, no way that was, that kind of expressed kind of, uh, in kind of like a, an optical way. So I was on the, on our side, if you will, the left side. Just a load of noise, man. All these different people were like, so much, not one voice, man. Mm. Went to their side, then there might be all different views. And I saw that there was generational identity, there was Britain first, they've all got different positions on the far right, but they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, man. And I thought, that's quite telling. You see, you see the two of them, one's looking to take power and one hasn't realised what he wants to do yet. There's all these different voices mm. and there's no solidarity. There's just voices of, of saying we don't like something. But on that side, 
like I said, there's all different positions. Remember, there was people in Parliament on that side who are not as far right as generational identity, but they're all there trying to think, right, we need to get power and we need to maintain power. So we're going to listen to one voice. But it's also, and, and it's the right's political mm. like, yeah, the idea. trajectory, yeah. right? To, it coalesces around the one. Mm-hmm. And we, in our theory, are too disparate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, look, if, you're, if we're going to go down this route, at the very least, anyone who wants to say wedded to the Labour Party come hell or high water, which is the maddest thing in my opinion, right? Put a, make sure you've got proportional representation as a manifesto pledge in, right? If you don't do that, then expect me to absolutely come at you. Because I have no belief that you're going to win back Scotland, right? I have no understanding of why, even under Corbynism, mm. how you think you, the, the, if community organising was as poor as it was, and the mobilisation only really came around election times. Why do you think you can now talk as if you're community organisers when you failed, right? It was one of the key failures of that project. Is that it never really did what it talked about in theory. Mm. And now we're supposed to believe that this party is going to do it now, right? Mm. It's not, right? It had its radical moment. It's going through a regressive period. In that regressive period, the centrism that means something is that you're going to change that system in some way. And you're going to have to rely with forces to do it, which means finding a progressive coalition if you're going to do it and fighting an election where you don't stand against each other because let's face another reality in this country if you were a green voter when you had Jeremy Corbyn pledged to go carbon neutral by 2030 and you delivered in so many places the majority for the Tories ask yourself that question right Right? and I don't really like let's be another when you have a cup that you carry around that only reduces 5% of the carbon emission of your cup of coffee you are not a moral person, right? Walking around with a green vote and that little cup while you've just thrown away our chance mm. at a green agenda means that you should hang your head in shame, right? And this liberal detachment, the thing is that Labour, if, if there's a future for the Labour Party, it has to be a socialist party. And if people have to stop speaking in vapid terms about socialism, there's a fundamental distinction between socialism and liberalism. And liberalism has shown itself again and again historically to capitulate to fascism, right? Because guarding capital means more, and guarding property means more to these people than, social, than equality. Socialism will never do that. Socialism is the enemy of fascism. And if we are going towards the right, we have to keep a course of socialism, and we have to defend fascism's targets. And if Labour fail to do that, then fine, right? Kill Labour, pardon Corbyn. Big that man up as well, right? Mm, because mm. he carried a hell of a big burden for us all, mm. and he dealt with stuff that no one should have to face. No. And yeah. and he picked up four million more than Blair in 2015, in 2017, and two, or, and almost two million more than him mm. in the election that he just lost. So okay, let's talk about what the centre did, and let's say that Corbyn actually increased the vote significantly. Mm. And if we didn't, if if Cummings didn't fight that election as a second referendum and we had a fair fight of socialism versus conservatism, we may well have had a different but Also, if we'd, I feel like if we had some of the tactics that I was seeing sort of in the last two weeks, I was saying to these guys, like, it was, it was really good, like, seeing how the Labour Party sort of stepped up their game, whether it was through community organising, online presence, all this stuff, but it was too fucking late. Like, why, where was that, like, three years ago? I just feel like if we had come at it, if we had known... If we had had a better position on Brexit, if we had been as organised and as just on it, like just fighting them a little bit more, then I think we, I think we could have done it. But also, I feel like Corbyn. I, I agree with what you're saying about Corbyn. However, he should have come for Boris more, particularly when they're doing those general election debate, like general election debates. How many kids have you got, Boris? 
Boris, how racist are you? Boris, when did yeah. you say this? Who's a pickaninny? What, like, all this shit, like, just fucking play a little bit dirty. I yeah. just would have liked to have seen that from him. Yeah. He's a good guy. And that was the problem with him. He's too good, man. <laughs> but it, okay, in, <laughs> in times like these, like, like I said, when I've seen how they've mobilised pantomime villains, right? The right have mobilised them. So from Milo to mm-hmm. Richard Spencer, these guys are like pantomime villains, man. But on the left, we don't see anyone like that. We don't see anyone that people can coalesce and organise around that are kind of that have that kind of yeah that kind of exposure. And I suppose it's part of the thing, but part of the right wing agenda. You don't see that, mm-hmm. but we need that, man. We can make our own stuff, right? They make they've got rebel media. We need rebel media. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we need we need our own stuff, right? And stuff like the podcast and and other channels, they're kind of ways of changing narrative, right? But I don't know how far we get out. Right. Yeah, and how far we reach and how and how and how we grip people really. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know analytics, right? But I know from sitting in doing the right wing. Listen, these guys are so deeply entrenched in that, and they tell like blatant lies, blatant lies. There's a university channel on YouTube. It's not been a real university channel, but it's run by the uh, Koch brothers. For God's sake! <laughs> and so, so you see, and they they chat a load of shit and. They, they present it as a university and it's got all these kind of accreditations, but it's not real. And I think to myself, right, okay, so that's what you're up against. We've got a fight between a group of puritanical liberals mm-hmm. who genuinely want to hold on to a position that the centre ground it will retire, right? They are going to get run over, right? If, if Cummings right now loves a Labour Party that moves to the centre, right? And these guys just aren't reading the moon, right? Now, there are concessions to be made. We can have a meaningful conversation, right? And let's be honest with enough to be able to think about solutions that may be abhorrent to us that mean that we don't have to accept a diminished status within this country. Like, there are ways and means. If white racists want to enclave themselves, let them have a little white town or whatever it is. (laughs) But don't actually ever think you're going to force people out of where they've called home, right? Right? Like, call London lost, but then okay, just don't come here, innit? Like, call it a no-go area, okay, you're not welcome here, go to your little white Liberia, right? Like, whatever it is, right? Do something that means that you can fuck off with this shit, because actually, yes, okay, the Labour Party have lost this fight, but we haven't, right? And I'm not going to feel like we have, because I've licked my wounds for a week, and actually, we're not, we're not going to lose that. We haven't lost this fight, right? Yeah. We still stand strong. They talk about the academies being left-wing bias. No, it's because actually, the, we like what's been won in the universities is a solid understanding of colonial history, right? And that you can't talk in this grandiose way anymore. That you can't insulate Britain from its past. And that moment, and that youth swell, and all of those things. If we keep doing what we're doing, and we can break through, I think there is it is incumbent upon good organisers from London and good speakers from London. To go to and go break the bubbles. Right? That's what we've got to do. But that's what I'm saying, like you need the people to do that, right? We need to be but active they, like that. I'd love if Labour were that vessel, but right now, very clearly, they're not. But I don't think they are, but I think what we need is that kind of solidarity between different groups, right? Because at the moment, I think sometimes we, end up, we work too much in our silos, right? No, definitely. And so that if we can generate those solidarities, we can challenge them in a meaningful way. So that means doing more work for people who are green advocates, or people who are queer activists, just doing more work together. Mm-hmm. If we do that work together, then I think they're finished, man. Yeah, agreed. 
think that's a good place to end, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this last general election reflection. Um, we'll see you in the new year. 